Let's start with verse 12. Song of Solomon 4.12. Okay. Last Sunday morning we started a new series on heaven. And we talked about the literal heaven. That heaven is a literal place. That it's not just something in the spirit. It is something in the spirit. But it is a literal place and the things that are said about heaven are literal things. And so today we're going to talk about a view of heaven, a perspective of heaven. Doesn't mean there's, you know, when we talk about these perspectives of heaven, we're going to talk about four of them. We're going to talk about paradise. We're going to talk about the house of God. We're going to talk about the new Jerusalem. And we're going to talk about Zion. That doesn't mean there's four heavens. We're going to talk about four aspects of the third heaven in New Testament, the seventh heaven in Old Testament, thank you. Okay, are y'all with me so far? Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to talk about paradise this morning then. Heaven is likened unto paradise. Song of Solomon, chapter 4 and verse 12. <clears throat> Remember, this is a love letter from Jesus Christ to the church. Made reference to this book last week. Verse 12, chapter 4, a garden enclosed is my sister. That is exactly what paradise is. Paradise literally means a garden enclosed. So we talk about heaven. You talk about heaven being a paradise. It is a garden that is enclosed. A paradise. Then he, so he likens the inhabitants of that place and the bride as a garden encloses my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up. A fountain sealed. Now look at this garden. He says, verse 13. Thy plants are an orchard of pomegranates. In the Hebrew, what would in the King James be translated paradise is here translated orchard. So the Hebrew word is an orchard. When you talk about the paradise of God, then you're talking about a garden. You're talking about an orchard. Say orchard. Here it says, an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, campfire and spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and alloys, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. Now watch this, verse 16. Awake, O north wind, and come thou south wind, blow upon my garden. That the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. So he's got a lot of spiritual application. But we're looking at the literal aspect of it. Chapter 5 verse 1. He says, I am come into my garden or his paradise. My sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink ye. Drink abundantly, O beloved. Father, we just thank you today for your awesome spirit. We give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you, Father God, that in the spirit we are seated together, Lord, with you in heavenly places. But, Father, we thank you, God, that there is a high heaven, a literal physical material heaven that we will eventually go to. We praise you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. And we look forward, God, to being there with you forever throughout e eternity, the eternal inhabitation of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
Paradise of God. New Testament, please go there. Luke chapter 23, Jesus hanging on the cross. He says in verse 43, <clears throat> the thief hanging beside him. I got a question for you and I'm not going to answer it this morning. But how many people were hung up with Jesus or crucified with Jesus that day? Let me ask you again. How many? You know, Jesus was crucified. How many was crucified with him that day? Huh? Well, now brother's going to get spiritual on me. That sounds like Brother Patrick. He's probably right. He's right. That is so right. But I'll talk about literally. Yeah, that's good. Man. Thank you. You gave me something to preach on. That's brother, though. He's real spiritual. I thank God for him. But literally and physically, when you looked, if you were there that day, how many would have been crucified with Jesus that day? No. All right. Go study it. Look at it again for yourself. That's tradition. Tradition says there was two thieves hung up with Jesus. And that's true. But that wasn't all that was crucified with the Lord. And you'll see that in the Word of God. But that's a different message. Okay. Just take a little time. Look at it. Look at it. Amen. Now, I'm not going to give you money if you come up with the answer. Okay. Just give you a little riddle to study, all right? But <clears throat> Jesus being crucified, he looks at, the Bible says, one of the male factors that were hung with him. Let's back up to verse 39. One of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God? See, thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. He said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy, what? Kingdom. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So that man is going to be with the Lord in paradise. All right, so here we see that heaven is likened unto paradise. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul. Talks about heaven. Again, he gives us this aspect or this view of heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at verse 2. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. So in New Testament, it's the third heaven. Okay, you with me? And... He said, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. So here the third heaven is called paradise. You with me so far? He said, and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He's saying that what he saw there was so great and awesome that you just can't put it in words. You just can't put it in words. You can do your best to take earthly terms and try to apply it to heaven, but it's so much greater than what we have here that you can't even put it really into terms. Amen. Although the Bible has tried to do that, give us a view of it. So heaven here in chapter 12 and verse 2 and then verse 4 tells us is like paradise. Okay. Go to Revelation 2. 
And again, what is paradise? What is heaven likened into? A paradise is a garden. It's an orchard. And we're talking literal here, literally here. Revelation 2 and verse 7. Speaking to the church of Ephesus. 2.7, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You with me? So if you overcome, then you're going to be able to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And we're talking about, again, heaven. So there is a literal tree of life that is in heaven. Okay, it is in the midst of the paradise or in the midst of the garden of God. And he that overcomes that will be able to eat of the fruit of that tree. Amen. Amen. So if you're going to, you know, the invitation is come over. If you're going to come over, you got to be an overcomer. You won't be able to come over if you're not an overcomer. So if you're an overcomer, then eventually you're going to come over And you're going to be in the paradise of God, the garden of God, when you get there. Heaven is likened unto a beautiful garden. Amen. Amen. Go to Luke 16. Just giving you some scriptures here. Y'all remember the rich man and Lazarus? What did it say? Luke 16, verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died, that was Lazarus, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, that is a Hebraic term, Abraham's bosom. Okay? It is interchanged with the word paradise. So when it says... That the angels carried Lazarus into Abraham's bosom. They carried Lazarus into paradise. Okay, you with me so far? The reason why it's called Abraham's bosom here is because the bosom, when you talk about Abraham's bosom or the disciple laid his head on the bosom of Jesus, when did the disciple lay his head on the bosom of Jesus? When they were reclining, right, at the banquet. So we talk about Abraham's bosom, or you talk about the disciple laying in his head in the bosom of Jesus, you're talking about reclining at a banquet table. Okay? In Genesis 23, the Bible talks about Abraham. He purchased a plot of land called Hebron. And Hebron is a type of heaven. Go through the Word of God and look at Hebron. It has so much awesome teaching. In fact, David, are you with me so far? He ruled for seven years in Hebron. And then he made a transition from there and he ruled the rest of the time in Jerusalem. That's a picture of the Lord Jesus ruling, are you with me, in paradise in heaven for seven years. But making a transition coming back to the earth and then from there on ruling from the Jerusalem of God. Okay. My point is Hebron is a type of paradise. It's Abraham's bosom. It is where Abraham and his descendants were going to be buried. So when the Bible says the angels carried Lazarus into Abraham's bosom, we're not just talking about a literal physical place called Hebron. We're talking about a a place in the underworld at that time, underneath the earth at that time, 
called paradise or Abraham's bosom. Are you with me so far? Amen. Praise God. So that's where he went. But it's, it's like going there and reclining and experiencing a banquet table. And the angels carry Lazarus to that place. But the rich man is carried to the grave. Now angels don't carry us to the grave. They carry you. Are you with me? If you're a child of God, they carry you to the banqueting table of God, to the paradise of God. You understand? If I die, somebody's going to take my body and put me in the grave. But the angels didn't take me to the grave. The angels carried me into Abraham's bosom or into paradise. Are you with me so far? And it's a wonderful place of banqueting. It's a beautiful garden. Okay. Let's go over there. Let's go over to uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah 2 and verse 8. Now, the Bible says, Nehemiah 2, 8, And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest. The king's forest is Paradise. Okay, you with me? Now let me explain something to you. The word paradise is a Persian word. And the Greek translators of the Old Testament Hebrew, that translated the Old Testament Hebrew into Greek, they used that Persian word paradise to define an aspect or a view of heaven called the garden of God. You with me? are called the king's forest. It's the same thing. Because in, per, in Persian ways of life and Persian words, paradise was the gardens of the kings of Persia. That's where they, that's the parks and the gardens of the kings of Persia. In the Persian language, they were called a paradise. And these kings walk into their forests, walk into their parks, walk into their gardens, and they took with them intimate fellowship. They took to them those people that were in fellowship with them. You had to be in fellowship with that king in order to walk with that king in his garden, in his forest, in his park, in his paradise. So the word paradise is a Persian word that the Septuagint, translators used in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Let's go there. So it talks about the king's forest here. It's not translated paradise, but that would be the Hebrew word. Song of Solomon. I read to you four. Orchard, translated from the Hebrew word. Sometimes the translators use the word paradise, the Greek translators, and then we picked it up. Or the English translators picked it up and used it. Okay, you with me so far? Amen. So we're talking about a literal garden of God. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no, not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. 
And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. So God planted this garden eastward in Eden. And this is where he placed man to dwell. He put him in the garden of a place called Eden. Are you with me? Okay. This is this garden is a paradise. It's a garden enclosed. That's where he put Adam. So paradise begins, watch this, as far as the earth is concerned in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. When God creates the garden or the paradise of God in the earth, but it did not begin, Garden of Eden or Gan Eden did not begin on the earth. It existed before God created this earth. It existed before he made a place called Eden and before he made a garden in Eden. Eden existed before that and it wasn't on the earth. It was in heaven. Okay? Paradise. So then paradise is in heaven. Watch this. It started out in heaven. Okay? Now look at Genesis 2 and verse 5. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the garden. Okay? So these plants were transplanting. They were taken from, listen, the Garden of Eden on the earth was not the first Garden of Eden. The heavenly garden of Eden, Gan Eden, existed before the physical paradise, before the physical garden of Eden. It was in heaven. Paradise was in heaven. And God took those beautiful plants that are in heaven that he created and he transplanted them. You with me? He put them in the earth so they didn't just come up from the earth. Let's read it again. Genesis 2, 5. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. So God took a little bit of paradise, a little bit of his heavenly garden and he transplanted that and he put it into an earthly paradise, an earthly garden called the Garden of Eden. He transplanted it from there and he put it into the earth. And in those plants there was seed. So from that time after he planted it or transplanted it from the heavenly paradise and put it in the earth, from that time forward the seed was in it and it just reproduced throughout time. Are you with me here? Somebody said, you know, just throw this to the side. Somebody said, which came first, the chicken or the egg? That's easy. The chicken. The chicken did. God created the animals. He created the chicken, and then in the chicken was the egg. You understand? Okay, so praise God. And if you were to look at this paradise that God created in the earth, that he put Adam in, this beautiful garden, the trees weren't this tall. They had not just barely come up, you know, and that tall. It took 300 years for them to grow, and, you know, these little plants, you know. Uh, come up and took time to grow. God transplanted. He put these things in full grownness. He put them in a completed form. 
He put, where'd he get them? He got them from the heavens. Now, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not saying that God went out and got a shovel and dug a hole, you know. I'm just saying, you know, he, he has ways of doing it, but I'm telling you where it came from. So that these full-grown plants were placed in the, in the earth, full-grown trees and full-grown everything. I mean a paradise that you cannot even begin to comprehend. I'm not talking about trees that are just 100 feet tall. I'm talking about huge trees. You understand? When he said, let there be light, he didn't have to travel. Somebody said, well, this earth has to be billions and billions of years old because the light had to travel from that star, you know, and oh, it's a million light years away or a billion light years away. And so it had to travel all that time. So we know the earth is billions and billions of years old. They're just stupid. Because God, when he said, let there be light, it was automatically light. It didn't have to travel from the furthest star. The furthest star. It already was there. In fact, the light that moved on the garden was the light of God himself first. And then this other light we talk about that comes from the heavens, it, it didn't have to travel. It, it's, okay, you get the point. It was complete. It was in its fullness. The light was already there. The plants were already grown. The trees were already grown. And he transplanted them and he put them in the earth. And it was so beautiful. You and I have no imagination to comprehend what he put in this earth. But that is what is in the heavens. Song of Solomon then. The Bible talks about that the inhabitants of that place are likened unto the garden of God. But he says that he walks in his own garden, this paradise place, and he's in fellowship with his bride there. And beautiful, we read it, beautiful plants, beautiful garden, beautiful park is in the heavens. And when we go to heaven, we're going to a paradise. We're going to a beautiful park, a beautiful garden enclosed where the king is resident. More beautiful than you can ever begin to imagine. More beautiful than anything you've ever seen in this life. If you are a prepared person, you're going to a prepared place. And that prepared place was in the heavens before there was ever a garden of Eden here. Before there was ever a paradise here, there was a paradise there. And that's where we are headed. We're going back to that beautiful place. And these trees and these plants are so beautiful. The Bible says in Song of Solomon that the wind blows through them and they are full of aroma. You never have smelt anything in your life that is so beautiful as that and so fragrant as heaven. When you get to heaven, the winds are going to blow through the trees and they're going to blow through the plants. And you talk about a beautiful sensation and a beautiful aroma because the winds of God are going to begin to blow. Blow through that place. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And that's where the bride is going to be located. Right there. Give God some praise. It is a park-like place. In fact, people that have seen it, who have died and have gone there, 
have described it as they entered into it. You know, of course, sometimes God sent them back. But they described it. They said, a beautiful, beautiful place. There's trees. It's like a garden. It's a paradise. It's like a park. And they have witnessed it with their eyes. But I don't have to hear from anybody like that. All I've got to do is go to the Word of God. And the Word of God defines to me a view and perspective and aspect of heaven. Of a beautiful park and a garden of God full of an orchard, trees, and all beautiful plants and flowers and fragrances that are there. Give God some praise. So Jesus said to the person that died that believes that you're going to be with me today in that garden. You're going to be with me in that paradise place. Paul said, I was caught up to that third heaven. And he said, that's paradise. That's the garden of God. That's the garden that existed before there was a garden on the earth. And then when man fell, that garden made a transition. It was no longer a paradise on, on earth because sin corrupted it. And so then it moved into the heart of the earth and it was called Abraham's bosom. But the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul was caught up to the third heaven. Are you with me? Paradise. That's where it all started. The garden of God started right there. was in the earth and it's all going to go back in the end. What was lost in the garden is going to be restored ultimately in the kingdom age on this earth. But in the heavens of heavens when we get there. Are you with me so far? So give God some praise again. Revelation 21. Let's look at this. Beautiful, beautiful place. Verse 4, the Bible tells us here. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. In that garden of God where this banquet is going to take place called Abraham's bosom, paradise, the Bible tells us there's no sickness, there's no pain, and there's no death. Whenever you go, whenever you have a funeral, they take you to a park. They bury you in a garden or a park-like situation. And it is a memorial unto death. But this place, paradise, this garden that we're going to is not a memorial unto death. It is a memorial of the life because what is there is a living garden with living people, a prepared place for prepared people, people who have overcome are going to go over and be a part of that garden. And it's not again talking about death. It is a memorial unto life. Give God some praise. There's not going to be any sickness, no pain or death there. And everything you got to go through to stay faithful to God is going to be worth it. 
I don't know what you've had to suffer to live for God, but it's going to be all worth it in the end. I don't know what pain you've had to experience to be faithful to God, but it's going to be worth it in the end. To those that will live an overcoming life, that do not give themselves to this world, there is a heaven that is awaited for you that is so beautiful and so aromatic that you could not even begin to comprehend it. A place where there is no death, there is no pain, there is no sickness that is there. Give God praise. In that place, nobody's going to pick you flowers and going to lay them on your grave. You're not going to need to pick any flowers because that is a place that is full of living vegetation. It is a beautiful park and a beautiful paradise of God that is so full of flowers. Nobody's going to pick them and put them on your grave. Hallelujah. You're going to enjoy living things in that place. And the street that is up there is not for a procession for a coffin. It's not a procession to escort any dead things. It is a beautiful place for the living to communicate and to, are you with me right now? And to travel, praise God. It is not a funeral procession we're going to. And we're not going to be put in a five by ten plot somewhere in the ground. The angels are not going to carry us to a five by ten plot in the ground. There will need be no plot sold there. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful paradise. Of the living God. Give God some praise. And that's where we're going. So if there's no sickness and there's no pain and there's no death there, that means there are the flowers that are there and the trees that are there will never wither nor will they fade. Because there is no decay there. The physics that govern this world are going to change. The thermodynamics that govern this world are going to change. It's going to be a different kind of physics up there. There's no death there. That little flower's never going to die. Give God some praise. Second law of thermodynamics that govern the physics in the natural world in which we live is everything is running down. Disorder is on the increase. Decay is on the increase. Everything is going down. But in heaven, there is no decay. There is no deterioration. Watch this. You can consume, but never use it. Consume, but never use are you with me? Amen. It will never diminish there. It will never deteriorate there because in, in God's heaven, it is beyond the laws of thermodynamics that says everything has to run continuously down. And if you take from one, then you have to subtract if you're going to bring it to something else. But not in heaven. You can consume from one, but the one is never diminished, nor does it de deteriorate because you're in a totally different dimension in the spirit and the physics that are in that place called paradise are completely different from what they are right now. Give God some praise. And there is no, come on, destructive uh, storms up there to destroy anything. Oh, yes, there's no criminals up there. 
to steal and take from your wealth or your inheritance. Your inheritance will never diminish. It will never lessen. Come on, nobody can steal it from you. You're never going to lose anything. You can't die there. Nothing withers there. It's a totally different dimension in the spirit of the living God. You won't have to worry about trying to maintain your inheritance. Proverbs talks about that God is going to give you an inheritance, a literal inheritance. Not, some, just, not just something in the spirit, but something literal, something physical. He's going to give you that. He's going to give you substance. You know, and you know how it is in this world? You got to work so hard to maintain your wealth. You got to protect it. You got to guard it. You got to replenish it because it's always being used and things are running down, deteriorating, and it's getting worse and it's decaying. But in heaven, you don't have to worry about maintaining anything. You don't have to worry about upgrading anything. You don't have to worry about laboring to protect anything. No criminal is going to steal it. It's not going to diminish. It's always going to be, if you're going to create something, if you're going to make something up there, come on, somebody, you don't have to worry about trying to maintain the thing. What a glorious place. Everything that is created there does not have to be maintained because it never runs down because it's not subject to the second law of thermodynamics which tells you everything has to decrease and diminish and decay in this life. But not up there. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And that's where, praise God, some of us have made our homes, and that's where, where our focus is. And that's why we live like we do. And that's why we're faithful like we are. Because this world is not our only home. We're just passing through. We're pilgrims on our way to a beautiful garden of God, a beautiful paradise of God, where nothing ever diminishes or deteriorates. And we don't even have to maintain the thing. Totally different. Give God some praise. So when you get in that paradise of God, the Bible talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. What are you going to do up there? Well, to start with, you're going to have a big banquet. God's going to prepare the, the banquet. Jesus, he's going to prepare the, the supper of the Lamb. Come on, it's a marriage supper of the Lamb. He's going to celebrate this banquet. People are going to recline and enjoy this great banquet right there in the middle of that garden. And that huge tree called the tree of life is going to spread over them with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of pieces of fruit on that tree. Surrounded by all beautiful trees and beautiful flowers and the winds blowing in there. And you're experiencing the beautiful aromas of God there in that place. And God is going to serve you a supper. Hallelujah to the land. You're going to be in Abraham's bosom. You're going to be reclining. You're going to be in repose. That's where the righteous are located. But it's not called the location of the righteous dead. Because now it's no longer the righteous dead. It's those that are dead in Christ. Give God some praise. And yes, it's the righteous that are there, but it's not the righteous dead. It's the dead in Christ. And that's where we are going. We're going to that beautiful, beautiful paradise of God. Give God praise. I don't have time to look at all of these verses. I want to tell you something. Isaiah 25 talks about when you get into heaven in that paradise place, you know what you're going to do? Not only are you going to enjoy a banquet and a big old celebration, but all this beautiful park and scenery and a memorial unto life, when you get there, you know what you're going to do? 
You're going to get up and God's going to throw a dance. See, some of you, I hate to tell you this, but some of you are going to feel real out of place up there. You're going to feel real uncomfortable up there because the people that are in that place are going to have a, they're going to rejoice in the Lord their God. They're going to spin violently. They're going to dance. And you know what the Bible says? You read Isaiah 25. The Bible said they're going to be pointing the finger, saying, He is our God. That's our God. So while you're dancing, hallelujah, while you're dancing and while you're celebrating that festival, enjoying this beautiful part and memorial unto life, you're going to begin to dance and spin. And the whole time you're doing it, you're going to be pointing at the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to say, there's my God. There he is. Look at him. He's so awesome. And you're going to dance and you're going to spin and you're going to celebrate in the God. You know how news travels in the church, you know? A sister, she, she told me, she said she went and asked about somebody else in the church, you know, that they hadn't, she hadn't seen them in church in a while. And she went and asked about them, and the, the person that, that was in the church that knows this other person said, well, they just don't like to come to church at the first part. You know, they like to hear the Word of God preached, and that's good. They like to hear the Word of God, but they don't like to participate in the worship. So they always show up late because they don't like the celebration. They don't like the shouting. They don't like the praise. Guess what? You're going to feel real bad if you even make it to heaven because that place is a place where you dance and you sing and you worship and you praise. So when we talk about, we talk about praise and Wednesday night. We talked about halal, todah, yada. We talk, come on somebody. We talk about zamar and we talk about tahila and we talk, come on, amen. We talk about shabak and we talk about barak. That's what heaven's going to be like. In the spirit we have entered into the paradise of God right now and we're doing right now just in a very minute way what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to sit, we're going to, going to be a table that the Lord has prepared and there's going to be celebration. Oh, I'm looking forward to that day. Woo. Give God some praise. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So when Adam was placed in that garden of Eden and God transplanted the beautiful plants from the heavenly garden and placed them in the earth, I want you to know, friend, he was experiencing a little miniature heaven on the earth. He was in heaven and heaven was in him. Hello, somebody. When Jesus Christ came, both worlds resided in him. He was God, the God of heavens, and God was in Jesus. And his humanity was of the earth. Are you with me? He was without sin. But both realms, the heavenly realm and the earthly realm, were located in Jesus Christ. And what was lost in the Garden of Eden was restored back into him. So that when I get born again, I've got a little bit of heaven on the inside. And I'm celebrating and I'm worshiping and I'm enjoying a Paradise in the spirit. But I'm going to a material, literal, physical heaven that is beautiful beyond comprehension. 
I don't know how you're going to dance. I mean, how long you're going to dance, but, but you're going to dance. The church is going to dance. You're going to do a little shabak up there. <coughs> Amen. It's going to be an awesome, wonderful, glorious time. It's the place the king resides. And if you were to study the word of God, and I'm not going to get into that this morning, but if you go through the word of God, you're going to find seven different areas that different ranks of people will be located. There are going to be some people that are going to be sitting right in the presence of the king. There's going to be some people that are at a level and rank. They're sitting right there with the king, and they're in his presence, and they're beholding his face continually. And then from there, they're going to come on out. From there in seven different locations, depending on your rank, depending on your level, depending on your class spiritually, God's going to place you. I want to be right next to him. I want to look at him. I want to experience his presence. I want to behold his face. Now, I'm not getting into that today, but I'm telling you right now, don't be, you know, the kind of person that just lives for God halfway. You don't want to be way out there somewhere. You want to be right there sitting with him. Hallelujah to the Lamb. <clears throat> and I got all, I got the scriptures for every one of those seven locations. But let's go to, in the New Testament, to 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Y'all still awake? First Corinthians 15. <clears throat> Verse 40. <coughs> he said, There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is, is another. There's the heavenly, and then there's the earthly. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. But watch this something I missed when I was teaching St. Corinthians to you. He says this He says, One star. Differeth from another star in glory. Right there, we've got three levels of rank there. Not everybody's going to have the same level of glorification or level of rank. One's going to be like the sun. Another's going to be like the moon. Another's just going to be like a star. But even those stars differ one from another in glory. So there's different ranks and different levels in the heavens. In the Old Testament, seven of them are given. But I want to be right up there in the presence of the king. I want to be in paradise with the king. I want the intimate place with the king. Give God some worship in this house. <clears throat> you know what? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give them to you. Go in there and get my tablet, brother. It's in, it's in that top. It's in that top deal to the far right side. Y'all want those seven locations? I'll give them to you. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I was going to save it and try to preach it. Another, another session, but I'll just give it to you today. Why, why talk about it and not talk, get it done? Hallelujah. That's where we're going. Come on, somebody. Yeah, that's it, brother. Maybe I ought to keep that up here in lock and key anyway. I'm going to give you the verses. Y'all check them out later on, all right? Image your scholarship will tell you that it's different ranks in heavens. They recognize that. The highest, according to rank, 
is the presence of God. Psalm 11, verse 7. Psalm 11, verse 7. Let's look at that. You want to? We got a little time. Psalm 11 and verse 7. God is wonderful. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. So that's the highest level right there. Is where you are sitting intimately with God. And you are constantly beholding his face. That's the seventh level of rank. Right there. Are you with me right now? It would correlate with the the highest level of the third dimension talk. In New Testament talk. The sun. Psalm 140 verse 13. Still talking about his presence. Psalm 140 verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Not only are they going to behold his face. They're going to be so close. They can behold his face. They're going to be literally right there in his presence. Glory. See that makes sense to me. Just makes sense to me. Going to be ranked. Psalm 84 verse 4. The next Level, Psalm 84, verse 4. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Down here and when you get up there. You're still going to be praising when you get up there. And so this dimension, this level is, you know, not as close. It's not right there, sitting next to the king, beholding his face in his presence. Right now, you just have access to his house. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Now, let me just talk to you just a minute. That's why we have got to be real careful about who we minus out of heaven. Who we say, we, we make ourselves God, say, you won't be in heaven. How do you know that, stupid? Oh, I didn't mean to call you. I, <laughs> I'll tell you where the bride's going to be located. The bride is going to be located right up there with him in that intimate place. You see? But there's different ranks and different levels in heaven. Hallelujah. Now, I know what I want to do. I'm going to preach what it takes to get in the bride. And I'm not, God has not given me the power to limit the blood atonement. He can let in his heaven who he wants to be in his heaven. But I get, let me just talk to you in case you want to play games. Be careful. The bride of Christ. But just because somebody's not a part of the bride of Christ does not mean they're going to be in heaven. Because if you got a party, if you're going to have a marriage. Maybe, oh, scratch the outlaw thing. If you're going to have a celebration, everybody that is there is not going to be baptized in Jesus' name. (gasps) Really? Yeah, Abraham wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. Isaac wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. That man on the cross that Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. 
They didn't have the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. But guess what? They're still going to be in heaven. They're still going to be in paradise. He said, I'm going to, when I, he makes that banquet, he said, you're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they weren't baptized in Jesus' name. So this is where we got to be real careful. They might not be in that highest level. I might not even be in that highest level. You might not even be in that highest level. But we're going for that. See, we're not playing games, man. Ooh, give God some praise. That's why I'm telling you, there might be some people in heaven you didn't think was going to be there. They're just not a part of the bride. They're friends of the bridegroom. They're like John the Baptist. He wasn't a part of the bride. He said he was a friend of the bridegroom. And that's why Jesus said that he that is in the kingdom of God, the bride of Christ, is greater than John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist was just a friend to the bridegroom. You're married to him. Are you here right now? How can any of us be greater than John the Baptist? Because we're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost on this side of Calvary. Come on, give God some praise. He's just a friend of Jesus. We're married to him. And he likens his beautiful bride in the Song of Solomon. He likens her as a garden. Come on. We have become one with him. We're just like him. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. We've got his nature. We've got his spirit. So, you know, before we start, yeah, we know. Come on. I mean, I, Hitler's not in heaven. I can say that. You understand? But I'm talking about the church world. I'm talking about professing Christianity. Where are they going to be? God is in charge of that. I know where I want to be, and that is in the bride of Christ at the closest place I can get to him. I don't even want to just be Pentecostal. I don't even want to just be in the second dimension. I want to be kingdom. I want to be an intimate bride, not just filled with the Holy Ghost, but having gone through the veil in the most holy place. And only people who are overcomers get that to that dimension. Jesus is standing there in Revelation 2 and 3, and he's inviting people that are in the church in Pentecost to move up into that third dimension called the Holy of Holies. And he says, if you'll overcome, he gives you promises that are all located in that dimension. So I want to tell you tonight that the Pentecostal people, tongue-talking Jesus' name, one God people, are not always going to all going to be in that third dimension. A lot of them are just going to have experienced Pentecost, and that's it. But come on, somebody. I don't want him just to court me in the outer court and fill me with his spirit, pop open, you know, the effervescing flow out of his bottle and drink of that and get full of the Holy Ghost. But the Bible talks about progression in Song of Solomon. He said, all right, he went and courted her and then he took her into his banqueting table. Are you with me? And gave her something to drink. Hallelujah. Gave her a bouquet. Gave her a little Holy Ghost. Popped the top. They got... 
They, oh, yeah, they're in the spirit. They got drunk on the Holy Ghost at the banqueting table. And then before you know it, the Bible says they're in bed together. Jesus' mighty name. So I don't want to just be courted by him. And I don't want to just be at his banqueting table drinking his wine. I want to get so drunk in his spirit that I fall into his arms and he carries me into his intimate place. You understand? So I'm going to tell you, I told you, I don't want to just be Pentecostal. See, a lot of people are like, Pentecostal will bless your heart. That's just the starting of things. That's just the beginning of the journey. Hallelujah to the Lamb. you got a place He's inviting you to. If you'll overcome, He'll say, come on in to the most intimate location. My immediate presence. Now, all you got to do is read the Song of Solomon. You'll see that. He courts her at the beginning, takes her to the banqueting table, and pretty soon they're in bed together. And one place he says, or she says, it's my bed, his bed. And then there comes a place that says, our bed is green. Our bed is green. So there's a transition. It's no longer my bed, his bed. It's our bed. And our bed is green. And that speaks of rest. And rest is located in the seventh dimension. Our bed is green. Really? Oh, there was a rainbow around about the throne like unto emerald green. Somebody, a Shulamite, made it to the most holy place where our bed is green. See, not everybody, not everybody made a queen. You have to qualify. So you can just go through and study the Song of Solomon. You see what I'm talking about? That highest level of location. All right, let's look at it. Psalm 84 verse 4 talks about just being in his house. Well, that's pretty good. Man, I'd like to be in the house. You know, I sure don't want to go to hell. Hallelujah. But I don't qualify for the highest place. At least there's a place. Hallelujah. House, you know, uh, let me just talk to you a little bit. There, see, not everybody can come and sleep in my bed at night, just me and my wife. They got their own bed and they're in the house, my house, and they stay in the house and they play in the house, but there's only a play. Come on, I'm in my bedroom, the intimate place is just for me and my wife, honey. So I just want to be in his house, I just want to wash the toilets, and I just want to clean the dishes. That's all I'm after. You're crazy. If that's all you're after, you might not even make it there because you're going to be playing games with God and things of God. Jesus, you got to go for the you got to go for the gusto. You got to go for the highest and the best. I'm just content to be in His house. Well, not me. Let's look at another dimension. Psalm 24, verse three. Y'all doing all right out there? Some of y'all look like you got, got just shot with a. Look like you're just in shock. See, oh, and now listen, I'm not, I'm not boasting or I'm not bragging or I'm not building myself. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people who are totally ignorant of the Word of God. They don't have a clue. They think they know so much about the Word of God, but they don't have a clue, man. Hallelujah. They think Pentecost is it. No. 
Kingdom. Kingdom. Throne room. Christianity. That's what you're after. Kingdom operation. Not just third or second dimension walking churchianity. Don't be content just to be a good church person. Be a kingdom. Kingdom. Be a kingdom person. Amen. All right. So, hallelujah. Okay, let's look at this next one. Psalm 24, verse 3. Some people are just going to meet the Lord. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? See? That person didn't make it to the holy of holies. They're standing in the holy place. You with me? The first guy, the first person, they just ascend him. They just get to meet him. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, they made it. But all they got to do is just to meet him. That's it. Praise the Lord, somebody. Now, let me look at the next one. Y'all ready? Psalm 65, verse 4. There are going to be some people just out there in the court somewhere. Psalm 65, verse 4. Blessed unto thee thou, that he may dwell in thy courts. Courts, plural. You with me? Courts. Plural. There's different ranks and not only that, different levels in heaven. So now we find this person in the courts, this first, fourth level of rank, the courts of God. Say amen. Amen. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Praise God. Yeah, we like the courts, man. (laughs) Give God some praise. Psalm 15, 1, fifth, fifth level of rank. These people, they just... They just make it to the tabernacle. Psalm 15 verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? So now we got people that made it in the tabernacle. Made it up to the tabernacle. We talked about last week how that heaven is likened to all these things. House, temple, tabernacle, glory. You remember that? Throne, all of this. Heaven is likened to these things. Now we find somebody that got to the tabernacle. Holy hill, Psalm 15, verse 1 again. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Say holy hill. Holy hill. Dwelling in his holy hill, Psalm 51, number, uh, number 1, which is number 7 if you're counting this way. Uh, are you with me? No, no, I gave them all to you. His presence, Psalm, 1, Psalm 11, verse 7. His house, Psalm 84, verse 4. Ascending to meet the king, Psalm 24, verse 3. The court, Psalm 65, verse 4. The tabernacle, Psalm 15, verse 1. Holy hill, Psalm 15, verse 1. And then number, number 7, or really number 1 in rank. You with me? Just the place. Psalm 11, verse 7. They made it just to the place. Psalm 11, verse 7. Hallelujah. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the up. No, that's not right. That can't be right. No, no. Huh? What is it? Oh, see how good. Y'all are good, man. Let me see. Read it to me. Read it to me. 
That's the first one. Right. Go to Deuteronomy 10, verse 7. Okay. You might be right, but let me go here. Mm-mm. That's not going to be it. All right. Thy dwelling place. What is it? Let me look at the dwelling place. What did you say, Psalm 140? I got myself in a problem here trying to give you this. Psalm 140 what? 13? No, that's his presence. That's his presence. Thy dwelling place. I gave it to you. I know dwelling place. Huh? Yeah, but it, it may have a dual in that. Mm-mm. Anyway, I'll get that for you. I ain't going to stay all day on this. I'm sorry. I, I, I knew I was going to get into a problem trying to do this this morning. Okay. It talks about the dwelling, the place of the king, the dwelling place. Great is thy dwelling place, O Lord. Hmm? 65. Anybody got an electronic computer on you? Uh, electronic. Uh, Great is thy dwelling place. Thy place. 52.5. 52.5. Okay. Thanks, brother. 52.5. No, that's their dwelling place. Okay, let me look at one thing. Okay, Psalm 24, 3. Here it is. Who shall ascend in the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? So this is the place of the king. You made it to the place. Psalm 24, verse 3. Okay? So what I'm trying to show you is there are different levels when you get there. Not everybody's going to be in the same place. But when you get there, you're still going to enjoy the paradise of God. You're still going to be a part of the banqueting table. You're still going to be a part of the celebration. You're still going to be a part of the dancing. You with me so far? Okay, amen. In Jesus' name. All right, let's go back to Jeremiah. I mean, Revelation on the Jerusalem of God. Mm, I suffer for you people. <laughs> All right, Revelation 21. Y'all with me so far? Verse 23, the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So not only is there death, sickness, pain there, no deterioration, no draw on your inheritance. Come on, somebody. Can, you can partake, but nothing is ever consumed. Not only that, but the light that is located is beyond the light of the sun. You with me? The Bible says, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Okay? 
When you talk about light in heaven then, there is no need for sun there. It's going to be continuously light. There is no darkness there. No darkness at all. Listen, and darkness, again, is not the absence of light. Darkness was created by God just like he created light. You with me so far? So darkness is not the absence of light. That's a created force in God's creation. Darkness is. But when you get to heaven, there is no physical darkness because the glory of God is the light thereof. Which means this, there are no shadows there. Because there's no darkness at all there in any form or any fashion. Listen to me. The sun doesn't have a shadow. Light doesn't have a shadow. But something standing in light casts a shadow. You understand? So when you get in that place, because God's glory is the light thereof, there is no shadow there. Everything is radiating or reflecting light. Nothing is casting a shadow there. Everything that is there is reflecting light only. It is not casting a shadow. You're going to a place, friend, where there is no darkness. There's not even going to be a shadow there. And everything in that place is going to be a reflection of light. You're not even going to see anything that resembles darkness there. Give God some praise. Because nothing's going to be standing in the light to cast a reflection. Everything is going to reflect light. They're going to reflect the glory of God Almighty. Give the Lord some praise. And we're not just talking about physical light with no shadow or darkness there. We're talking about even in a spiritual way. There will be no darkness in me. No darkness in you. (laughs) No darkness emotionally. No darkness intellectually. No darkness spiritually. It will be a pure thing. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. You're all in every way. You're going to be satisfied intellectually. Satisfied emotionally. Satisfied physically. Satisfied spiritually. Always and forever. You will never diminish in your satisfaction. You will never have need for anything. That is where I'm going. And I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I know about me. My goal is to be right up there in the throne room. No wonder the mother of James and John said, Can they sit at your right hand and your left hand? Whoa, come on, somebody. We don't want them. She said, I don't want them to be out in the distance somewhere. Well, I want them to sit right next to you. Jesus said, It's not for me to give. See why? Because they have to qualify for that level. You can sit at his right hand. You got to qualify to sit at his left hand. You got to qualify to be the 24 elders around the throne and then to sit with him in his throne. You got to qualify to be there. You might be underneath like the caravan. You might be in the courts out there in the outer court, but you qualify. What you do in this life determines your level of rank. And remember this and always remember this. All rank comes from God. 
And if you're faithful over the few things, he'll make you ruler over many things. Come on, somebody. I don't know where some of you people are. I know I got problems with this church right now. I'm going to tell you something. I've already got direction from God. I've got, listen, and I say I got problems with this church. I'm not talking about everybody, but I'm talking about some of you. You're not where you need to be in God. You need to get yourself up and start moving. Come on, somebody. But I've already got my direction from God as to what I'm supposed to do. But you better get your direction from God as to what you're supposed to do. Give God some praise. I kind of wonder if some of you can't get excited about heaven because you doubt that you're even going to make it there. But I'm trying to give you something to encourage you today to tell you you might not make it to the top. Shoot for the top. But you better make it somehow. And you've got to overcome. And yeah, you might not be satisfied. And right now you got maybe a little shadow of darkness working in you. That's all going to go away in the future. And you got some pain and you got some suffering and you got some death in you and some sickness in you. But you better overcome that because where you're going, it don't have any of that stuff. And when I get there, listen, no wonder the people wanted to be martyred for Jesus. Not accepting life. They were going to get their freedom. Say, oh, right now. They said, no, we don't want our freedom. We want you to mark. Why did they say that? Because they wanted a, a better, a better resurrection. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you where we are right now. We are so earthly good. We're no heavenly good. We got our minds so focused on this world. And we are so carnal and fleshly that if we're not careful, we'll be consumed by the cares of this world. I've got my direction. Man, I've been praying for months. You don't know. I've been praying for months about this church, about my purpose in this place. And God spoke to me the other morning. Hallelujah. He told me what my direction is. Come on. I'll just tell you right now. God has given me a contract extension. He's given me a six-year contract extension. He said, I want you to go six more years. you got to make it to your 50th year. And not only your own 50th year, but it's going to be the 20th year of this church. He said, I'm give, I want you to commit to me for six more years. So I've got a contract extension. Give God some praise. I know what I'm supposed to do. But I need to add this right now. This contract extension is not unconditional. This contract extension is conditional. It's conditional on my faithfulness. It, come on, somebody. It's conditional. And some of you don't understand that. Uh, where you are right now and what God is going to do with you or what he's ever going to do with you, he wants to use you, but it is conditional based on your faithfulness. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Come on. You can't take anything for granted. Give God some praise. You remember a while back, I asked the church, we first got into this building over here. I said, y'all want to deal with me for another 10 years? Remember I asked y'all that? Can y'all handle me 10 more years? Y'all said, oh yeah, I'll handle you 10 more years. 
Well, that, that was because we thought it was going to take 10 years to pay this thing off. But we paid it off this year. So I'm asking God, what do you want me to do now? Hallelujah. Praise God. What's the next step for me? God said, I want you to go six more years. Are you with me right now? And as best in my ability to be able to hear God, to the best of my ability and able to discern God, I've got to commit myself to six more years to this place. Come hell, come high water. Listen to me. Come division, come split, come devils, come humans, whatever. I've got to face them and I've got to stay with it. And I can't stop because God has extended the contract. So I'm trying to tell you today, some of you stop fighting. Some of you set your butt on a pew somewhere and you backslid. You better get up over yourself. You better move in the Holy Ghost. And you better get right because it is not... It, this is not unconditional. If you're a worship leader, it's not unconditional. If you're a youth leader, it's not unconditional. If you're a new converts teacher, it's not unconditional. If you're a Sunday school teacher, it's not unconditional. If you're a preacher, it's not unconditional. I'm getting sick and tired of some of these so-called preachers who are so full of pride and so full of self. Come and sit on the Word of God when it's free. If you're a preacher, there ought to be something moving inside of you. There ought to be something that caused you to move in the Holy Ghost. So I've been wrestling, you know, wrestling with a lot of this stuff, man. God has told me, I got my direction now. Do you got yours? Because I don't really care if we have split, if we have division, if we have devils, if we have human attitudes. If you leave, I don't care. God has told me what I'm supposed to do. And I, by the grace of God, I'm going to be faithful to what God has told me. Because there's a lot at stake here. I want to make it to the highest place in Him. So we need to stop sucking our thumbs and stop feeling sorry for ourselves. And we need to get up and we need to overcome, brother. Come on. So, you know, so I know what I'm supposed to do. Now, why would, you know, somebody said, well, why would you have to talk to God about that? You have to talk to God about that. Because... If you ever have to deal with stuff, do you understand? If there's no discipline in a church, you got problems. If there's no discipline in your home, you got a troubled home. So I'm going to tell you something. I've been wrestling with this thing. God, do you want me to hit this thing head on? You want me to deal with these individuals head on? How do you want me to deal with this? Are you with me? And I have wrestled and I have prayed. And I've seen myself go to people and say, you're no longer welcome here. You are trifling with God in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? But you know what? I wrestled in prayer over that. How do I deal with this God? And I went to sleep and God showed me in dream. He showed me people. They got problems. They got spirits. They got rebellion in them. But, they, but God showed me in dream. Those people love you. Come on. And I got up and I was encouraged. I said, God, I saw it. They love me. They got their problems. They got a spirit of rebellion. But they love me. Hallelujah. And so I got up and I was encouraged. And I, come on, somebody. 
So I believe God showed me, said, you're not going to have to confront it head on, deal with it right now. Come on, you just preach the word of the living God and you do what I've called you to do in the mighty name of Jesus and let God do what he's going to do. And some of you want to chase people down and you want to say, what happened to so-and-so? Why don't you mind your own business and shut up, you busybody gossiper? That's all you are. Shut your mouth and leave it to God. I don't even get in the middle of some things that some of you want to jump in the middle of. But I'm tired of coming in here and bringing you the holy, sacred word of God. And you sit there dead. Hallelujah. Backslid, sitting on a church pew. Lord, I never thought, never thought. And I'm not saying the whole thing's going down the tubes. I'm just saying I never thought that I would pastor people with the problems that some of you got. In relationship to pride and ministry. Come on. I never thought it. I never thought it. But why should I think myself higher than anybody else that goes through the, the stuff you got to deal with in pastoring? But give God praise today. Because he's gracious to me. And he's gracious to you. And we can't walk in here patting on ourselves on the back. Saying, God, aren't you glad I made it? you got to wake up today. God gave you grace to be here this morning. God made a way for me to be here today and for you to be here today. God gave you strength to be here today. You, you didn't grace his presence when you walked in here. God saved you from a devil's hell. And he's showing you the beautiful paradise he has prepared for those that love him. In the name of the Lord. But there's coming a time when there's no more stuff in us. No more struggle. No more burden to try to maintain anything. No more crucifying this flesh. Praying and fasting. Submitting ourselves to God Almighty. Making sure our attitudes and our mind and our spirits right before God. No more fight. No more battle. Thank God. But I'm going to tell you, until you get to that place, you're going to have to keep fighting. Until you get to that place, you're going to have to keep praising. Until you get to that place, you're going to have to keep on fasting. Until you get to that place, you're going to have to fight devils. Until you get to heaven, you're going to have to overcome. Until you get to heaven, you're going to have to deal with your spirit. We have not made it yet. My ministry is on extension right now. But it is not unconditional. It depends on my faithfulness to God and to my home. In case you don't know it. You're only as good a Christian as you are in your home. You're not as good a Christian as you are right now sitting in a pew. Where you walk in here and you act like everything's wonderful and okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a good Christian because I'm ready to church today. No, our level of, of Christianity is dependent on 
our level of Christianity in my home. If I'm not a Christian in my home, that's what I am. Jesus. The way I am in my home, that's the way I am, honey. That's the marker point. That's the definition. That is what determines my Christianity. It's not the way I am here, but the way I act out there and the way I act in my home. And my call is conditional based on my home life. That means I got to overcome the stuff in my home just like you got to overcome the stuff in your home. I said you got to overcome it. Give God some praise here. So I'm showing you where we're going. But before you get there, you might be martyred. And if you don't get martyred, you're going to have to fight hell. You're going to have to overcome. You understand? And some of you, you threw in the towel a long time ago. You quit a long time ago. You quit fighting. Listen to me. Are you a soldier? You are right now. You won't have to fight there. You won't have to be a soldier up there. But you've got to be a soldier right here. And if you're not showing up for the call here, you won't be roll called there. If you are a wall down here, you are a wall in God's mind. Come on. You are absent without leave. And there's a lot of people who've stopped fighting. I'm going to shake the hell out of you this morning. Some of you have stopped fighting. Who gave you the mind? Who gave you the thought to quit fighting? If you're a soldier, you better show up. If you're a soldier, you cannot be AWOL in the church. You got to come in here and say, I'm ready to fight, Pastor. I'm ready to go to war, Pastor. I'm not, come on, I'm not absent without leave, Pastor. If you were to do that as a soldier, if you were to do that as a soldier, they would court-martial you on the spot. Court-martial you on the spot. Why it is we got Christians who think they can do whatever they want to do? AWOL. Ah, oh, I don't want to be court-martialed. I don't want to be court-martialed. So I'm trying to tell you something. That God has given us an extension, but it's not unconditional. We got to keep fighting. We got to overcome. If we get hurt, we got to say, huh? I can't let that get a hold of me. What do you expect in battle? What do you expect in war? We haven't made it up there yet. Telling you, man. Telling you. So let's keep praying. Let's keep fighting. Let's keep reaching out. I know, I know. Some of you might say, he's going too far. All right. Well, why don't you go far? Why don't you just hit the road, Jack? Why don't you go somewhere and sit with a bunch of people just like you? Listen to me. Hold on. Listen to me. See, these pe- people have this idea. I'm just going to run off and go somewhere else and live happily ever after. No. You don't make a geographical relocation and think you're going to live happily ever after forever. Listen, it's not happily ever after. It's happily never after, my friend. So you better get that out of your spirit. Oh, come on, somebody. Now, if you feel like you need to go, bless your little heart. I don't want you to. But why don't you just, you know, just go. Hallelujah. 
Just go. Just go. Because we are in a battle and we need soldiers. And we understand where we're going, but we're not there yet. And I, my wife told me, you've been praying for me. You've been interceding. This is not about me, but I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot at stake right here. What were you praying against? What did you tell my wife? Wolves in sheep's clothing. This intercessor here has prayed that we were clothing. People who have come in our midst and act like sheep, but they're wolves. And God has raised her up to pray for her pastor that I would not succumb to wolves in sheep's clothing. This is real. It is so serious, you have no comprehension of how serious this battle is. You have no comprehension of the warfare and the struggle I have been in to find the will of God and how to handle this church problem. We got to have God and we got to pray. And I thank God for that sister. God raised her up. Listen to me. Listen to me. We're not in heaven yet. I love you. Okay, I love you. But listen to me carefully. Wednesday night after church, Sister walked up to me. She said, Pastor, she said, I had a dream. She said, I've been praying for you. She said, I have, I have had a dream that there are 12 people in this assembly that are in rebellion against you. I said, Sister, I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, I know that's a reality. I don't know about the number. But I know that that's a reality. We've got rebellion in this house. She said, Pastor, do you want me to tell you who I saw in the dream? I said, no. I don't want you to tell me. Because I want it to be manifest. I want to see it before I act. I don't want to jump to any conclusions. Are you with me right now? I don't want to go there. But I said, I do believe what you're telling me is real. Next morning, the Lord spoke to me. He said, call her now. You call her and you ask her who she saw in the dream. So I, at that time, I didn't feel led to. But the next day I did and I called her. She said, so-and-so. I said, nope, not them. It's not her. No. She's a soldier in the kingdom of God. It's not her. But there are others that are here right now. That if it's not, if the grace of God doesn't step in your life and deliver you and set you free, you'll manifest the devil's will in your life. And some of you say, well, pastor, why don't you just jump off in the middle of it? Because I'm not like you. Some of you always make it your assignment to go find out. About everybody, what everybody else is doing. I tell you what, you better do. You better get on fire and you better start doing what you're called to do. Stop worrying about what the pastor's responsible for. You are not the pastor of this church. You need to learn to shut your mouth when it comes to what is going on in this house. And you need to get alive yourself and ask God, what do you want me to do? If I've got to fight hell, if I've got to fight demons. Whatever, God, where do you want me and what do you want me to do? And I understand the whole thing is conditional.
But I know one thing I'm not, and that is the pastor. You're not the pastor. I wish I wasn't. To fulfill God's purpose in the body. Why would, you, why would I keep fighting? Why would I keep struggling over people's souls and wrestling for them and praying for them and being anguished over them? Because every one of us have a soul on the inside of us that's going to spend eternity somewhere. See? And we all need delivered from something. And we all need help. Every one of us. And there ain't nobody arrived. I don't have a glorified body, nor do you. So I got to pray for you, and you got to pray for me. And I, as your shepherd, if I feel you got, listen, I got a list. I told that sister, I said, you don't know this. I got a list that I've been writing our lives. I got a list. I've got all kinds of things that I have to deal with, and I've got to make sure these sheep survive and overcome these wolves that are coming into hell with it. But I'm praying, God. See, a lot of things that go on behind in secret, behind closed doors in secret. Because ain't nobody ever know. God knows about it. I said God knows about it. I said God knows about it. But see, my purpose is redemption. My purpose is making, trying to get that sheep through it. Get that sheep delivered. Hallelujah. Not turn them over to the devil. This is no game. This is real. <clears throat> Will you forgive me? I didn't mean to go off like this. I apologize to you. I really do. But I just feel something in my spirit. It has been warring in me for months. I know what God has told me to do. But I'm calling this church right now to find out what are you supposed to be doing. And understand that it's not unconditional. Just because we're doing it now doesn't mean we're qualified to do it next year or the next year or the next year or the next year. That's the kind of warfare that we are in, soldiers. And we can't be AWOL and court-martialed. We have got to be the soldiers of the Lord. Are you all with me today? Now, praise God. I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. And I appreciate you bearing with me. Bearing with me. Bearing with me. There's some serious stuff going on in this house. When you preach the word of God, the people of God should be there. They should be in that. They shouldn't be out there somewhere. Captured by the enemy. You've been captured by the enemy. You become, what do they call them, brother, in Peel Day, prisoner of war. You're a prisoner of war. Guess what? You've got some soldiers in this house right now that are trying to help you and trying to rescue from being a prisoner of war. You with me right now? Amen. This is heavy, serious. So I'm not at war with you physically, but I am at war with the spirit. Because I'm a soldier and you're a soldier. You can't quit fighting down here. We haven't made it up there yet. 
And it's a glorious place. But right now, let's move in the spirit and manifest what that is. Because in the spirit, we can manifest where we're going. Because God has put a little miniature heaven on this earth in his body. Because his spirit is in us. And when Jesus came, he came to bring both worlds together. That's why he said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Both realms. To operate in both realms. So we are a heavenly people on earth. Both of us, are, we have both heaven and the earth in, in us right now. And we operate in two realms. And it depends on what we're yielding ourselves to. Are you with me? If we're victorious in the spirit, are we overcoming? Or have we been overcome? You understand? All right. Praise God. Now, hallelujah. You don't have to have me as a pastor. You know, I know that. I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. You don't have to have me as a pastor. Uh, that's all fine with me. I don't really care. But I have to try to do what God is right now. Okay? But the last thing I want to do is drive this thing into the ground fighting spirits. That's the last thing I want to do. Brother Edmonds told me, he said, Brother Carter, he said there was a church. He said a pastor friend of mine, he said this church asked him to step down and he would, they would find another pastor, okay? Come on, listen to me. Let's get real, all right? They said, they told this pastor, they said, Pastor, we'll pay all of your debts off. Every bit of it. We'll give you a severance package. Everything you owe, we'll pay for it. If you'll just volunteer and step down and let us get another pastor. That pastor said no to that. And he fought that church and he fought that church and he fought that church till there was nothing left of that church. He made a mistake. He should have, when they did that, he should have said, okay, for the sake of the church... And I never, that's where my battle is. I don't want to fight you to the point to where we drive this thing into the ground. I shouldn't be fighting you. We should be fighting the enemy. We've got a real enemy. Come on. I should be fighting hell. I should be fighting spirits. I should be winning the lost. I, would, I should be seeking to do the will of God. I want to serve God and work for God and be kind one to another in the process. That's what this is supposed to be. So I don't want to get to a place. And that's why I've been wrestling. God, do I hit this thing head on or do I just back off? Okay? And all he's told me is, here's the plan. This is what you're supposed to do. You, me. Okay? And I'm going to leave the rest of it into the Spirit. And I'm going to let God lead. But I don't want to drive this thing into the ground. And I feel like if we're not careful, that's the direction we're heading. You understand? Do you really understand what I'm telling you? I don't want to be like that pastor who said, I'm going to stay in there and I'm going to fight him. And I'm going to fight him to the death. And the whole church disintegrated. That's why Paul, when he had all those problems with the Corinthian church, do you think it's a coincidence that we preach 1 St. Corinthians to this church? Do you think it? 
Do you know? Do you know that when I was preaching for St. Corinthians to y'all, that I didn't think in my mind, oh, these people are really this, these are the Corinthians. I'm preaching to the Corinthians. Do you think that that came to this pastor? That wasn't my motive. I didn't preach First St. Corinthians to you about all the problems in that church because I thought that was you. No, I preached that because God told me to preach it, not to try to hit you or straighten you out. But I feel this the other day, the Lord said, there is no, there is, listen, it wasn't a coincidence. There's a reason why you preach to this church what you preached to this church because you've got some of it in the church. It's here right now. So we need to let God's word correct it. We need to let God's instruction come to us and let God's word correct us. If we don't, we're going to end up like totally like the Corinthian church. And we'll lose our witness. And some of you have already lost your witness. Are you with me right now? But what did Paul do? He avoided jumping in the middle of it. He avoided going to them and confronting them. He did not want to have to do that. He wanted to preach the word of God to them. Let them repent. Let them get instructed. He approached them as a father that cared. But he said, in case you don't know it, I can come with a rod. But I don't want to get into that stuff, church. Please, I beg you, let's stay close to God. Let's love each other, okay? Praise God. Let's do the work of the Lord God. And know we're soldiers. We haven't made it to heaven yet. It's conditional, not unconditional. So I appreciate y'all praying with me. Again, I apologize. I did. You know, if it's in you, it's going to come out sometime. Right or wrong, it's been in me. It came out today. But that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. So I know what I have to do. I know I've got direction. Okay? And uh, can, not unconditionally, but conditionally. On my side and on your side, I've got to commit myself to God for six more years here. Hallelujah. And if, that is the, if that's the case, now, what, well, Jesus could come. I don't know. I'm not setting a date on anything as far as his coming. But I know what I've got to commit myself to. Are you with me? So, that's faith. That's faith. That's faith. When you want to do anything but that, to hear from God and say, you stay put. When you fight the good fight of faith, you stay put. For six years, you commit to me. That's faith. When you don't want to do it, that's faith. Why would I not want to do it? Because I don't want to fight you. I don't want to be at war with you. You with me right now? Come on, man. I don't want to do that. Never like the people of God. Never wanted to hurt the people of God. Don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. Praise God. Okay? So that's where we are right now. So what is it? Warfare. Warfare. I don't want to be like one of the 1,500 pastors each year that get out of the ministry. You know? Don't want to do that. 
You don't want to be like the majority of people in this season that are backsliding and apostatizing. Get yourself out of it. That's why you got to keep fighting. You got to stay battle ready all the time. You got to be spiritually, mentally, physically fit. Right? That's where it is. That's why I'm talking to you. I don't want you to be a victim of backsliding and apostasy. But that's where we are right now. Okay? Praise the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. So I got, I got that direction and I got this right here. He's not giving you one, a spirit of fear. But one of love, power, sound mind. Power, love, sound mind. Okay? So you say, I just don't have the strength to go on. He give you power. I don't love him anymore, Timothy said. I don't love him anymore, Paul said. He gave you a spirit of love. You love them. Timothy said, I don't have the strength to go on anymore. Paul said, yeah, son, God's giving you power. Don't love them anymore, God. Paul said, yeah, you love them. God gave you a spirit of love. I'm going insane, Timothy said. Paul said, no, God gave you a sound mind. So that's what we go by. We understand, we feel like we can't go on. I'm talking to you too. When you feel like you can't go on, you feel like you don't love them anymore, and you feel like you're losing your mind. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a sound mind. You got the strength to go on, you got the love to go on, and you got the sanity or the soundness of mind to go on. In the name of Jesus, on Father. And we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, 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 Jesus' name.